Welcome to PBC Talks. If you would like to find out more information, please visit pbc.org.uk. How are you doing? Oh, it's great to see you. So, so Ruben started a, a new series last week, um, which I love. I'm I'm so thankful to Ruben that, like, the first thing that you are asking us to do is really just quite a simple thing to imitate, or it seems simple. It's a simple, simple theory. Actually, it's probably a lot more complex than I think it is. But last week. Reuben was talking about imitating the intimacy that Jesus had with his father. And, uh, and he encouraged us to, um, to find that thin space, that place that we can go to every day and just spend time with God, try and hear his voice, bring our, our, our world to him, bring what we're going through, ask him to, to help us, to take some of the burdens and just sit in his presence and find fullness of joy. So imitating Jesus' intimacy. The thing I've been asked to preach on is, is amazing. And this week, as I've sort of been prepping for it, I've just been, I've been blown away. Um, because this week we're looking at imitating Jesus' humility. How humble Jesus was. And I think in order for us to like really grasp how humble Jesus was. We need to just like remember who he is. Like Jesus has a lot of names. Like we, we sing about Jesus a lot of the time. Like we were just singing, worthy is the lamb who was slain. Jesus has got a lot of names. Um, one of the first names that I guess he gets given in, uh, in the book of John is, um, is he's called the Word. Um, it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. So Jesus, the word, he was there at the beginning. Part of God, very much part of God. And that, and that little squiggly thing, that's just, it, in Greek, it's called logos. And that just means word. The word of God is described a lot of times in the Old Testament as something or someone who is sent forth from God to accomplish a mission and then return to him afterwards. So this is our introduction to Jesus. He was there at the beginning with God. He is very much God. He was God. Without him, nothing that has been made was made. Okay, so that's, that's Jesus. He's the word. He was there to start with. But Jesus could have just stayed there. He could have stayed there in, in that heavenly throne room, in that glory. But he didn't. Jesus chose to become flesh. It, it says in verse 14, Jesus, the word, became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus moved into our neighborhood. Now, it's really hard to sort of imagine, like, heaven at all. But I, I was, this week, just trying to think of, like, what, what would that, like, what would that conversation have been like? Where, where God is like, um, Jesus, I, I want to send you to earth. And what that's going to mean is that actually you're going to become very different. You're going to become flesh and blood. You're going to become like Adam. You're going to become like Eve. You're, going to, you're actually going to have to give up some 
of your authority. But Jesus, he knows that the word of the Lord is sent to accomplish a mission and will return to him afterwards. I'm sure some of you may know that, that verse in Isaiah that says there, as the rains and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it flourish, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. If that's not humility, straight off, Jesus being born, not as a king, but in a stable, in a, in, in a place where animals should be kept, was where he was actually laid after he was born. Maybe to be a stonemason or a, or a carpenter. There was no, there was no royalty. And, and the verse I really want to look at like today, I want to sort of pick it apart, is, uh, is Philippians 2. Because God's word, Jesus, he becomes personal. He becomes, he becomes like us. And he's sent to reveal God's character. And this is, this is, this is Jesus. Oh, the reason I put that up at the start, it kind of looks like me, I guess, a little bit. But um, Jesus came as the image of God. He came to show us what God looked like. It says in Colossians, Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. He was there at the beginning, for in him all things were created, but he came to earth. He humbled himself. And my friend Daniel always sort of describes it as if, if God were to take a selfie, which is ridiculous, but if God was to take a selfie, you would see Jesus. That's like the image of the invisible God. And we get so much knowledge of who God is by looking at Jesus. And Jesus, though he was God, he didn't think of equality with God as something to cling to or, or use to his own advantage or be grasped or be robbed. That's, that's all the sort of translations I could find there. Like, he didn't think that equality with God was something to hang on to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He emptied himself, and he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. I don't know about you, but just as I've been reading that verse throughout this week, it's just got so much depth to it. Like, he emptied himself. He emptied himself of, of, of like that power. He became vulnerable. He became flesh. He became like us. And why? So we have a perfect example. We have a perfect example to follow, a perfect example to imitate. It's amazing. And what Jesus, what, what Jesus had to do, he was born on earth, he was made flesh and blood. What he had to do was find that thin space that Reuben was, was talking to us about last week. He needed that place where he, he could be so close to his father that everything the father said he could follow, he could be obedient to. He had to be so intimate with the spirit so that he could channel power, that he could, he could perform miracles. Because he emptied himself, he became like us, and he needed that relationship with God to be so close. We, we don't know if Jesus ever performed any sort of miraculous signs before his, his baptism in the River Jordan. But what we do know at that point is that the Holy Spirit came down like with the appearance of a dove 
And God's voice was heard to be saying, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. And his ministry comes from that point. He is filled with the Holy Spirit. He is filled with the power of God. What an example. So Jesus has all this authority again. He's in this, this intimate relationship with his father. There's, there's a bit in the New Testament where, where it's like, oh, Jesus says, do you, do you not know that I could, I could summon 12 legions of angels if I needed? He had authority. He had that relationship with God that allowed him to summon crazy things, to do wonderful miracles. But how did he use his authority? Kings, like in, in those days, they were, meant to give, they were meant to give orders. They were meant to, they were meant to discipline their people. They were meant to um, lock people in jail. Jesus, king of kings, God, he comes. Does, does he do that? Does he... Um, does he go straight to the, to the Romans who were oppressing his people? No. Even though he has this authority, he comes to the people who are the least, the most broken. He comes to the people who are dying. He comes to the people who are sick. He comes to the people who are caught up in prostitution. He humbles himself, this king. And, and for, the, for his disciples at that time, they had... They, like, no context for this. No king had ever been like that before. Like, did they expect their God to come and be a servant? I don't think so. Like, they didn't have Graham Kendrick songs that spoke about the servant king. It was, it was a daft, like, concept to them. They expected kings to be strong. I think if I was waiting for, for my Messiah, my, my rescuer, I would have wanted him to come. And all the people that were oppressing me, all the, all the Roman power, I would have wanted him to go straight to them and, I don't know, kill them or something. I don't know, at least just ruin their reign and, and lift up the kingdom. But Jesus doesn't. He doesn't use his authority for that. He has divine authority. But he comes and he goes to the broken. He comes and he humbles himself. And he, and he sits with children, and he prays with children, and he spends time with children. People, like women and children who really had very little sort of power in that culture. That's who he comes, and he, and he spends his time with them. He had such obedience to his father. It says there in, in John, this is Jesus speaking, I did not speak on my own, but the father who sent me commanded me to say, all that I have spoken. It's so humbling. I think his habits probably seem like a bit of a waste of time for his disciples. But for us, looking at them now, it's just like, oh wow, this is a new way to be a human. This is a new way to be an Adam. Like, just serving so imitating the humility of God, how do, how do we put that into practice? Because I think actually sort of being humble is something that's really, really difficult to grasp. If, if you're sort of going after humility, you probably, don't, you probably don't find it. Sorry, Bev, I know it's right at the end, but there's, there's, um, there's some Richard Foster quotes um, from a book of his called um, uh, The Celebration of Discipline. And he's, he, says, he says this, humility, as we know, is one of those virtues that is never gained by seeking it. The more we pursue it, the more distant it becomes. And to think we have it is sure evidence that we don't. But service, service is the most conductive to the growth of humility. If you want to become humble, just seek out how you can serve. 
Every day, find that situation where you can serve someone. And hidden service, that, now that really, that's, that's really the, the thing we want to go for. Because, because our flesh, I don't know about you, but my flesh really, like, it whines when I've got to serve sometimes. But it screams when I don't get any recognition from it. Like, it really does. Like, m- maybe you're a lot holier than me. But sometimes when I've loaded the dishwasher, I might just say it later. Like, it's hard. Like, sometimes you can, you can be serving in church and you're not really getting any, any recognition from it. And then in prayer time, you just, you just slip it in. This is what I've been doing. This is how I've been serving. Oh, please, can you pray for me? Because I'm quite tired from all the service I've been doing. It's really hard to do it in secret. It's really hard. But we want to be like that. We want to serve for the divine nod of approval. Isn't that amazing? I love that. The divine nod of approval. If no one ever sees it but God, that's okay. That's all right. Because that's humility. Jesus, he emptied himself of like his, his, his divine attributes. He became a human. He became flesh and blood. And he went to the least, he went to the lost, and he went to the cross. And it wasn't just a normal death. It wasn't just a normal death, it was a humiliating death. It was a humbling death. It was a criminal's death. It was a death he didn't deserve. He humbled himself so much for us. And as Christians, like that's that's what we've got to that's what we've got to imitate. We've got to imitate that that humility, looking for places to serve, looking looking for places to die to our flesh, die to our sort of desires, and put other people first. If we go back to Philippians two, that verse that's just blown me away this week. Imitating humble Jesus. This is this is what Paul says. Don't don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of yourselves, or thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had, imitating Jesus' humility. That's what Paul was talking about. Do I think I'm more important than other people? That's the question I have to ask myself every day. Because there are things, there are innate things in me that sometimes show the world that I do think that. Little things, like things that you would take for granted, like when you're stuck in traffic, I move to the fast lane. When, 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 you're, when you're waiting in, in Aldi, I go to the queue that's got no one in it. When there's one last piece of cake left, I'm going to take that. Do I think I'm more important than other people? Do I? Am I really lo- loving my neighbour when I think first about myself. This week, I wonder whether we can try to be last, whether we can try to put other people before us, allow people out if it's safe in the road. (laughs) I don't know. Take the last cold cup of coffee and refill the machine, and don't tell anyone about it. Little things. Take the worst seat in the meeting. Can we keep it hidden? Can we... Can we just do it for that divine nod of approval? 
So that's my challenge this week. That's my challenge for you. How can you make yourself last? How can you make yourself less so that Jesus can become greater? It's got to start in that, it's got to start in that intimate place that Reuben was talking about. We've, we've, got to, we've got to meet with Jesus. We've, we've got to come into the Father's presence as much as we can. Because then we understand his heart, his heart for people. And if we have that, yeah, we'll put ourselves, we'll put ourselves back. We'll put other people first. C.S. Lewis said this, humility is not thinking of yourself less. No. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. It's not thinking less of yourself. Because why would you? God sent his son for you. He loves you. He knit you together in your mother's womb. Why would you think less of yourself? Try, try and see yourself the way God sees you. And if you're struggling, if you're struggling to feel loved, spend more time with him. Because in that secret place, when it's just you and him, he will shower that down on you. He will shower joy. He will shower love. He will shower affection down on you. So if you're struggling to think well of yourself, spend more time with God and it will change your way of thinking. And then you can think about yourself less. You can see the needs. You're not just in your own world. You're not just looking down the whole time. You will see the needs around you. And you'll have God's heart for that need. I want to tell like a heartbreaking story. Um, just because it... it I, I, I don't, has anyone ever been to Auschwitz here in Poland? A few people. It's... it's it's tragic, it's, it's disgusting. But when I went, I went this summer with my family and there was just one story that stood out to me so much. Because even in the darkest places, God's humility, like God's example, imitating Jesus was still happening in that place. And, and I want to tell you a story of a guy called Maximilian Kolbe. Um, there's going to be a picture of him on the screen. Um, he was, uh, he was a Polish monk, and as World War II broke out, he, um, he remained in the monastery um, where he organized a, a temporary hospital. And his town was captured by the Germans, and he was arrested by them on, on the 19th of September, 1939, but released on the 8th of December. Um, he refused to sign the Deutsche Volkslitzer, which would have given him the rights similar to those of German citizens. He refused to sign that in, in exchange for recognizing his ethnic German ancestry. Upon his release, he continued to work at his friary, where he and other friars provided shelter to refugees from Greater Poland, including 2,000 Jews who he hid from German persecution. Kolbe received permission to continue publishing religious works, though they significantly reduced in scope. The monastery continued to act as a publishing house, issuing a number of anti-Nazi German publications. But on the 17th of February 1941, the monastery was shut down by the German authorities. And that day, Kolbe and four others were arrested by the German Gestapo and transferred to Auschwitz as prisoner 16670. He continued to act as a priest in the concentration camp and was subjected to violent harassment, including beatings and lashings. 
once he was smuggled to a prison hospital by friendly inmates. At the end of July 1941, one prisoner escaped from the camp, um, prompting SS um, Carl Fritz, the deputy camp commander, to pick 10 men to be starved to death in an underground bunker to deter further escape attempts. When one of the selected men cried out, my wife, my children, Colbe volunteered to take his place. According to an eyewitness who was an assistant janitor at the time, in his prison cell, Colbe led the prisoners in prayer. Each time the guards checked on him, he was standing or kneeling in the middle of the cell and looking calmly at those who entered. After they had been starved and deprived of water for two weeks, only Colbe remained alive. The guards wanted the bunker emptied, so they gave Colbe a lethal injection of carbolic acid. Colbe is said to have raised his left arm and calmly waited for the deadly injection. He died on, the, on August 14th. Greater love has no man than to lay down his life for one's friends. I'm sorry, it's, it's such a tragic story, but it is such an amazing example of just putting others first, imitating Jesus. Those tragic circumstances, thank God, like in our country, we're not experiencing that kind of thing. But that man was someone who knew his father so well, who knew God's heart, and who knew knew that humility was silently, privately putting others before him. It's inspiring. It's inspiring amongst that tragedy, amongst that horror. He humbled himself before God and said, that man is more important than I am. I don't really know how to finish, but I just, Sarah, can we, um, the song that like really stuck out to me and I know we've sung it hundreds of times in this church, but is, is the servant king. Like when, I, when I think about the words, from heaven he came, he emptied himself. Helpless babe, entered our world, his glory veiled. Not to be served, but to serve. I wonder, I wonder whether just out of a, an act of, of humility to God, like if you want to, if you feel comfortable, just during this song, I'm just going to invite you to, to come and kneel, like maybe just before this step. We'll treat it as, a, as God's mercy seat. Because um, sometimes you've just got to come before God and say, help me be less so that you can become more. Help me prefer others. Help me live my life so that you are glorified and you bring restoration and you bring redemption to this earth. Help me in my relationship with you. Help me to run to that secret place where it's just me and you, God. So as we sing this song, I'm going to kneel. I don't know if anyone wants to join me. I just want to worship God on my knees. Thanks for listening to this week's talk. 
Join us next week for another inspirational message.